Are you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven-figure revenue mark? Do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever-growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh. Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, this is a exciting episode. For those of you who are in any of the coaching groups, uh, if you're in Tommy Mello's uh, Facebook group or uh, really any of them, Service Business Mastery Facebook group, if you're not in the Service Business Mastery Facebook group, uh, join it. Uh, but you've seen Al Levy, and I'm excited to talk to Al. This is the first time we've actually spoken together i mean we've interacted a lot uh, through the groups and uh just a really smart guy and is somebody who's uh i think i might have told him this a long time ago maybe not but he's uh he's definitely been one of my mentors from afar so he hasn't physically mentored me like on a one-on-one basis but i've definitely taken a lot of his uh knowledge and advice uh even things that he's questions and or answers that he's given to questions to other people in the groups. I've taken that advice uh, f- uh, from him without him even knowing it. So I, I, it's a huge shout out to, to Al for all of that. And there's stuff about um, Al that I didn't even know. Like, and, and I, a couple weeks ago, months ago, maybe, um, well, it's been months ago. Uh, we were talking about, you know, being on the show together and, um, a couple of months ago, I, I actually downloaded his book again and listened to it. Um, and I, I really just, it's one of those books that you can listen to it several times and, and get stuff out of every single time that you listen to it. So it's, I, uh, I'm really thankful for everything that Alice does for the, the industry and really brings to light um, information and knowledge because he's been, he's, he's one of those guys who, uh, he had a contracting business and he was doing it for a long time and has been in multiple trades. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I want to, I want to do air conditioning and plumbing, electrical fuel oil, if that's your thing. And, uh, but I don't know who to talk to who's done all of these successfully. Cause I see people doing them all the time, but then one of those trades might fall off or it's like, well, it looked like they were doing it, but then all of a sudden they kind of shrank back down. Uh, but, but Al and his family, they, uh, they've done a great job with it. And then Al kind of took that and created the, the, um, process of the manuals and, and, uh, is now offering that to people. And that's a, that's a struggle that I've had for years is, uh, the org chart and the accountability charts and stuff like that. Like who do you go to? And, and when you're small, like you're a million, $2 million company, even 500,000 and you're trying to get out of the truck and you're, you're saying, well, who wears this hat? Who wears that hat? You know, I wear all of these hats. So why am I even creating an order chart? Uh, and so I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Josh? No, I love this. I, uh, I, I think we've talked even just the, the episodes we've done together in the last couple months about processes and systems. And this is such a overlooked thing because it's, it's not sexy. Like it's not something <laughs> people wake up and be like, Oh man, I want to put some processes together today. We uh-huh. just, we know it has to be done, um, but we also don't know where to turn because you may get some free resource online or you may talk with someone in a group, but it's it's only like little bits of the information. It doesn't put together the entire puzzle from mm-hmm. your org chart, your org chart down to who should have access to all these processes and then kind of filtering those out to your people. Um, and then obviously holding them accountable to those processes, which maybe even harder than putting together the process in the first place. So we're going to talk about that today, but I did want to, since you mentioned his book, for those that are listening or watching, it's the seven power contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either get that on his website, which will flash flash on the screen here. Otherwise, uh, um, maybe Al can tell us where, if there's another place to get that, but it's on his website. You can certainly get that there and he's going to dive a lot deeper into those 
seven things. Um, so that way you don't feel like you have to do a million things. Uh, so he's going to kind of give us the seven powers a contractor must master. And hopefully you guys can learn something today. Yeah. And also you can get the audible version on audible.com uh, and you get to listen to Al talk. So he's a, he's who actually Did he uh, narrated. Narrate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice. It's really cool. Okay. So with hopefully that, being said, like well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Al. Thanks so much. Yes. Uh, who would not like to listen to this voice? <laughs> right. I agree. 100%. And, yeah. and by the way, Josh, I'm bringing sexy back. So the sexy back part is operating manuals. Yes. Not sexy. Get it understood. But you know, what's worse than that is not having operating manuals and not having systems and living the nightmare of putting out the fires that you thought you had out yesterday are going to break out again. And I was just doing a little skit that I always do speaking about the power of manuals is that I do something in seminar this way. So you out there, tell me if this sounds familiar. Hey, Tersh, I heard you say yesterday those shoe covers are really important to protect the customer's house. Where, where do I get them? And Tersh tells me. Next day. Hey, Tersh, I know you said those, mat, you know, those shoe covers are really important. Where do I get them? And he tells me again because I asked again. Tersh, where should I get those? Because I had a fight with my wife and I wasn't listening or the dog bit me. So here's what all of you need to know. If you are happy with always being the answer person, Everyone on your team is happy to play question person and they will to the day that you die. So how does that sound? Here's the other thing that you need to know. I was really great at sales and marketing and my team was really great at blowing it up. So that's how I became the operations guy. <laughs> I, I had to fix the mess every day. Now we were making tons of money. Do not misunderstand that, but it took an enormous amount. So there's a reason my tagline is less stress, more success, because that's what I wanted. And what I was sharing with these guys before was <laughs> I felt like I was a pretty smart guy. You know, I was lucky enough to go to college, get a degree of which I never worked in engineering. And so I'm sitting that's at hilarious. my desk. That's the same thing that I did. Oh, that's funny. So I'm sitting there, you know, like thinking, how come this isn't all working? And I thought, you know, there's got to be 7 million things that I'm missing. Yep. You know, every time you, I went to a webinar or a seminar or I read something in a magazine, and of course today with online, you know, it's like I must be missing something. And that's what really got me back to what I knew to do in my other business. My family was a serial entrepreneurial business, and we did uh, multi-state real estate. We owned a chain of liquor stores. We had ice cream shops. We had a radiant heat manufacturer. Those are just some of the ones that we did. And it was funny because we took a, the right approach, which is building a foundation. And those were the seven blocks that I think about for anything. Planning power, operating power, staffing power, sales power, sales coaching power, marketing power, and financial power. Seven things seven my friends seven and that is what i went all around this beautiful country in canada for 20 years now sharing this concept by the way outside of trades that we did which was plumbing heating cooling electrical that was my family business uh -huh. started back in 1936 out of my great grandfather's gas station and so it's a case of we i was going out working with contractors that I had done none of those trades because contracting is this much different for anything you do. So I worked with the great Tommy Mello garage door company. I never did garage doors before yeah. that. I worked with a great kitchen cabinet company where we built kitchen cabinetries. I worked with a great condo builder in Montreal and I have never built a condo. I said, but the businesses are more alike. The funniest and strangest one is there was a photographer up uh, north of San Francisco who says, I've seen all your stuff. I said, you have to come work with me. I, go, I take pictures. I said, but I'm not a photographer company. She goes, look, my photographers are like your techs. My person who sends people out to do these big shoots, they're just like a dispatcher. I need the org chart. I need the basics to the manuals. And so if you're out there thinking, well, that's fine. I'm not in PHCE, plumbing, heating, cooling, electric. You are mistaken. If a phone rings and you send somebody to do a service or install, guess what? Happy to contracting. Huh. That's a great point. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was just going to yeah, say that. I think, I think 
plumbing, heating, plumbing, cooling, electric, electric get like, get like it's like the uh, bread and butter. Like everyone talks about those, but they don't talk about garage doors, septic, um, you know, carpet cleaning, restoration. I mean, you can go on and on. There's, but all these businesses have a similar setup, right? They have a call center. They have someone to go out and does the work. They have an estimator or a salesperson. They have technicians. It's all very similar. Um, so getting getting the core processes put together really can be beneficial to any of those types of businesses that are in the home service trades, I guess we'll call it. So Al, what would you say is different there with, because you, you have the option in your, your platform uh, to do more than one trade and, and new trades and stuff. So what is different between the trades? Um, truthfully, it's, um, where you shop in a grocery store, picking out tomatoes. <laughs> what I learned, what I was sharing earlier, which was we were in the fuel oil business. And, and if you're in the Northeast, you know what that is. Um, but I could see pretty quickly. And if you're not in fuel oil, think of propane. It's basically the same thing. So we were making great money, but I could see down the road. That's one gift that I was lucky enough to have amongst the, being the youngest of three brothers in the business and my dad. And I could see that we Wait, were going to run out of. Say again. Are you a psychic? A psychic. I am yeah. a psychic. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> see, <laughs> proves it there. <laughs> yeah. So it was a case of I could see the runway running out, and one of the things I also could see is that if we didn't take control of the customer's basement, we were inviting our competition into our basement. And when I explained that to my brothers, they go, "We're not having that." Oh. And so. That was what caused us. And we were great at acquisition already, by the way. That was my dad and my uncle. Are Acquiring area, other businesses. Buying other businesses, exactly. We went through where we were was a beachfront town in New York City. And the area got wiped out from urban renewal. And our customers were moving. And if my dad and uncle hadn't gotten good at acquisition, there would have been no business by the time my brothers and I showed up. And we happily learned that it's a great way to acquire businesses and great marketing. It's, a not, it's not the only tool. Obviously, you want to be great at organic marketing and acquisition too. Both of them have a lot of merits. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we, we learned some key lessons by just systematizing the fuel oil business. And one of the things I was sharing was we were sitting at a seminar. My brother Richie and I were the guys, last two techs always standing in the basement at 2 a.m. And the conversations, thankfully, there's no video of it, but it was pretty hysterically stupid because we would have these you know, conversations about why don't techs do this and why don't they do that? And my brother's going on from. And finally, I said, Richie, if they could do all that, why are they here? Why wouldn't they go run their own business? You know, yeah. if you're going to keep on hiring what I call lightning in a bottle, mm -hmm which means you find that magical tech who can do sales, operation, technical, if they're a service tech, <laughs> yeah. or they're great at communication, operation, technical, if they're an installer. And so you're going to run out of runway with that. And that's what the main thing was. But anyway, we're sitting at a seminar, a lot younger than this. <laughs> we were maybe 25. And the guy on the stage is saying the average age of the tech is trending to 50. Now, you think as a 25-year-old, about a 50-year-old tech being out there for you. That's a very scary thought. And we just said, we got to build a training center. So we went off and built the training center. Well, here's the bad news is I got them trained up. And then they're out in the field. And my brother Richie's calling me up and going, did you show motor rotation? Didn't you check you know, how to do electrical? And it's like, yes. I said, yeah, I did. But they've been out of the training for two years. And they're disconnected. And that is what caused us to come backtrack and write the operating manuals. And so, once we had finished the manuals, to our horror, we realized we built the training center wrong because the manuals tell you what should be in the hands-on training center. How do I check them off for these tasks? And then the bridge between the two is what I call the training curriculum. Between the manuals, hands-on training center is that training curriculum. That's really interesting. So. I guess the biggest I'm, I'm writing down my notes there uh, as fast as you're talking. And um, do I talk fast? No, not at all. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> you really, you really don't talk fast. And, and you mentioned that before uh, um, about uh, speaking fast and everything. And, 
and I'm from the South. Everybody yes. from Savannah, Georgia. I've, I've been, I've worked a lot. Yes, slow. <laughs> I, I have to learn how to breathe. I actually I have to go back to what I learned how to do. Tersh, when that I was, was like, I learned how to breathe. And I also learned how to lightly bite my tongue to shut up long enough. <laughs> that's, that's too funny. So whenever you were doing the training, um, it, did you go through and create like when I'm thinking about training <clears throat> and I think about a video of training and then I, th I think about all the things I do as a service tech throughout the day. And I'm like, man, it literally would take me years to, tr to train someone the same way. Um, and then as soon as, soon as we get PSC motors down, then all of a sudden you come out with an X13 motor or, and, and yeah. And, and then, or you come out with a, a true variable speed, motor, and then we're like, all right, we got to retrain everybody. And so how, how did you create a, I mean, or was it updating constantly like that? I mean, how did, how did, how did that process go? And it's a great question because um, they are not meant to be static. They are meant to be live and always being a living document, if you will. So we rolled it out with everybody. And there's a lot of techniques about that, you know, yeah. having them stand up and having them read because what I learned from sales is unless they're talking, they're not buying into it. You know what I mean? Just like what you know from sales 101, if you're always talking, then you're selling. If you get them talking, they're buying. Same concepts. Actually, there's the triangle I always talk about. The better I got as a trainer, the better I got at sales and marketing. That triangle is very strong because you have to sell a concept. So what we committed to, these manuals are not like I never did plumbing, heating, cooling, electric, because that's how we did as we added trades. We built a separate module. We built a manual first. Then we built the right hands on training center. We built the curriculum and we just kept adding on these trades so that we could own the basement, which was our original goal. And we got better and better at training, which is the other critical part of this is becoming great trainers. And that's what I go out and that's what I had done to train people to become great trainers because you're going to run out of, and this is another stupid conversation <laughs> between myself and my brother when we were like, going, well, okay, well, we, we, we need to train. And what, what do we do? And we're thinking we can, maybe we can just go out the industry and get one. And pretty soon we said to ourselves, here's what we know. <clears throat> you may be, really great at knowing your subject. You may be the best in the world. The bad news is I'll be asleep because you are so boring. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is you're electric and you're fascinating to listen to, but heaven forbid I ask you any real question of any depth and I find out exactly what you don't know. Yeah. So to find that great speaker and great now, it's a very limiting list. It's kind of like, again, lightning in a bottle. So we realized that the majority of the training had to come from us. And the rule of thumb is about 80% of our training <clears throat> came from us because we controlled it and we knew what we were doing. Here's the great thing that you brought, because I don't want to lose this point, is that it wasn't like I never did plumbing today. Here's the manual. Go get them. It was, can I send 20 guys an hour from your shop and they all arrive at a toilet reset and can pretty much do it the ABC way of doing it. Uh -huh. That's what that manuals are about. And then the other part of it is, is that, yes, because when I, I when I was belt driven, when I first started, and then variable speed and all the other things come in, here's the magical great thing. It is so much easier to be an editor than a creator. Oh, yeah. So did you notice how slowly I talked at the end? <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> So I promised everybody yesterday on Facebook this would be fun. Absolutely, that's our goal. That's what, I mean. Otherwise, it's like you said. You you have someone that's uh, tons of knowledge, but then they don't keep your your um, engagement and your attention. And so uh, that's definitely not what we want on our show, anyways. No, so. no. I know uh, I'm going to date myself, but if anybody watched Ferris Ferris Bueller's Day Off, oh yeah, a thousand years ago. The teacher that's up there, you know, going Bueller, that's the kind of thing that you do not want. Yeah. So that's why you have to become a great trainer. Yeah. So the seven powers, um, could you go over those one more time? Yeah. So planning power is where it all starts. That's where I first come. If I was to work with anyone, you know, one-to-one -one anymore, which I don't, 
but a planning power would be all the great ideas that are in your head and all the key people out there. Do you need one more great idea or do you need one great idea implemented? And of course we know the answer is an idea implemented. Absolutely. But there's the way to think of this is, and that was actually in my book why I needed an editor. Because when I told her I was going to write the book, she said to me, she goes, you have all this content. So why do you need me? I go, because I have 150 of my kids in the audience going, pick me. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not a book. And so the same problem for you is you have 150 of your kids out in the audience saying, I should be the next project. I should be the next. You're not going to be able to do it. So the, what planning power is, think of it as a funnel. At the top of the funnel is where you load all the great ideas, your ideas, your team's best ideas. And that's where they sit. And they work their way down that funnel to the top 30. And the way they get there was two strainers. And one strainer is fixing the biggest problem and challenge for the greatest chance to grow and be profitable. So the example I use is you send those 20 texts an hour from your shop and they don't have the parts to do a simple toilet reset on their truck. Or they don't have the knowledge to do it your way. That's a problem. You need to fix that. Greatest chance to grow and be profitable I need to call up Josh because this phone ain't ringing. <laughs> so, you know, that's the thing here. I've got to get, and what I'll get to that next about marketing, but this moves you down the funnel. And now the idea is I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how big your company is. You cannot work on 30 things at the same time without driving anyone insane. And it will not be done right. So use the same strainers, get down to the five. And then that five goes up on a wall, even though we can do it digitally. It goes up on a wall and you can do wall and digital. What is it you want? Why do you want it? Which is the trick. And then where are you in the process? Now, here's the other kicker. On your schedule, Mr. or Ms. Owner, there's got to be a meeting with me. And in that meeting with me is your last chance during the course of the week to find out how well did you do working on those five? Because you picked the five. You said that would fix your biggest problem or challenge and grow or be profitable. And so tell me, What's more important in the work you're doing this week than that? And the answer is nothing. Yeah. Nothing. That's where the progress comes. Now, don't pick five giant projects. Right. Yeah. You're just going to make yourself crazy. So I usually let guys pick two or three big projects like manuals, which is easier, obviously, because I was coming to do the program with them. Mm -hmm. But those three programs and then find two really relatively quick things you can knock out. We need to change the uniforms just to pick one thing. Uh, they have to be, or we need a new logo, which is not a small thing, or we need right. better wraps or anything else of that nature, but it's it's gotta have a, a definition of small. Don't make the, if you wrote down, we need more calls. Well, that's nice. Are you ever not gonna need more calls? Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, so make it that we need to get um, 100 more calls a month. And then it's measurable. So and then you know why, yeah. Yes, exactly. And then why I need those extra hundred calls because I got to keep another, I don't know, 20 tech, just picking a number out of the air. And then I need to have that status, which is I've been in touch with Josh. We're energizing this program mm-hmm. as an example. And so this is what planning power is about. Operating power is policy and procedure in writing for 80% of what goes on, not the 20 weird because I know all of you are like me. We are crazy perfectionists. (laughs) But here's what you have to ask yourself. You have no manuals today. So any manuals, (laughs) any one page, one page beats nothing. Make sense? Don't try to write the perfect manuals. They're never going to happen. My manuals are meant to be live. And touch where we get an example, like, you know, it's changing. So we just go in and make a few edits. It's really simple. We had a lot of regulatory issues in New York City. <laughs> Go guess, right? I had no, no idea. Shortage of, no shortage of agencies, and many of them were conflicting. But once we mastered what we needed to do, such as permitting and filing, and we put it in our manuals, it's really much easier to edit them. It's not like you're always reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the big things about operating power. Staffing power is really working on three things. Finding the holes in your existing techs, because they all have it. And by the way, everyone in your company, because they oversold themselves. And now they're definitely afraid of what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Find, <laughs> so find the find holes out. in the new people who tell you in an interview they can do everything. Have you ever had a, somebody interviewing for your accounts payable, accounts receivable, tell you, can you do QuickBooks? Uh-huh. Yes, what? I can. <laughs> and or, you know, your tech can fix everything. And ultimately, you fix in there. But the and last thing, which is, yes, they can sell everything too, John. 
And the last most important thing is build them from scratch, take willing people, and provide skills. That's what allowed me to happily put myself out of a job so that I could leave and go do what I can do. That's staffing power in a nutshell. And then it's sales, which I call ethical selling. And my step is five-step system. I mean, everybody's got some, it's not 500 steps to sales. Mm-hmm. And some of this, just learning how to listen, ask the right question, do surveys, all of that. But it's really about sales power. And I teach techs how to sell the right way. And I teach what I call system advisor, big tickets, people how to sell the right way. That's sales power. Sales coaching is managing the KPIs for those things and providing the necessary feedback to make those teams bigger and better. Then it comes down to marketing power. So hang on, Josh, you know, you'll like this. (laughs) The three rights of marketing, the right amount of calls from the right customer at the right time. Yes. So your website gets a lot of eyeballs and you're in, I don't know, Omaha. Are you happy to know that everybody in California is looking at your website? Right. <laughs> Unless you're going to California, I don't know what that's doing for you. I know so, I was looking on on ours, our analytics, and and we were like, man, there's a we had a huge uptick in some in some content and some and some volume and and people visiting the site and stuff. And then I was like, oh yeah, they're all from China. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I I got on some. Hopefully they site. got a broken air conditioner. Yeah, well, <laughs> I heard China's buying U.S. businesses, Tersh. I, uh, I, 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 yeah, that's really good. Anyway, so you know, it's it's really the right amount of calls from the right customer at the right time. So that's that's really the essence of uh, the goal. Of course, is if you can make way more calls than you can humanly do in a day, you get to decide who you're going to. Number one, True. and number two, how much you get to charge. And the last piece is financial power of which I am not your financial power guru, but I learned the hard way because we didn't do any budgeting way back when in the dark ages. And at the end of the year, last couple of weeks, the accountants would walk in and go, you had a great year, go buy something, yeah. <laughs> pay yourself a bonus, <laughs> which which we loved. Yeah. But the great next money. year they would show up and go, we had a bad year and to keep the bank statements and everything, I hope that you guys have money in your bank because you're not getting paid for two months. Yeah. <laughs> really bad to wear blinders. So what Ellen Rohr always teaches is, there's two types of accounting. There's accountant accounting, which is important because it helps defer taxes, minimize your taxes, but you cannot run your business financially that way. And then there's what she calls real world accounting, which starts with knowing how to do budgeting, how to arrive at the right sales price, known financial position. And so that you're, in her case, the great analogy is you're driving your financial car by looking out the windshield mm-hmm. rather than waiting for your accounting stuff that's yep. driving your car through the rear view mirror. If it's and that's on the really tenth or twelfth of the month. I mean, you're st- even if you're lucky enough to get it that soon. Uh, yeah, you're still ten days or you know almost two weeks behind. Yeah. For those who so, don't know, who's Ellen? Ellen Rohr is the great. Uh, well, she was a great contractor. Became a great friend of mine. The forerunner of Contractor Two Thousand. Sorry, it was Contractor Two Thousand, which became Nexstar. Mm-hmm. And so we both belonged back then. And then. She went off and one of her big accomplishments of the many years of accomplishment is uh, she was actually the mother of Ben Franklin Plumbing. She yeah. was the one that put that whole thing together. When she finished her, you know, her non-compete, uh, she and I had always, we had worked with clients together and separately. We agreed to always date, but never get married yeah. as a business coaches. And so uh, she said, I really would like to do uh, franchising again. And she says, would you like to do it with me? And I go, Yes, but one big difference. Everything else is like a mile wide, but an inch deep. That's fine. I'm not doing that. We're going to be a mile wide and a mile deep. And what I mean by that is it's got to have the seven powers and the depths we have at all of these systems Mm. so that contractors can make calls and make texts. Those are the two big powers you need. And so we put together Zoom Drain Franchise. I was a founding member of that along with uh, Ellen. So she says, well, who do you think wants to do this? And I go, I have one client and you work there. Let me call him up. And I called up Jim, who was a Zoom Drain. And I said to him, I said, you know, I remember you said you wanted to do licensing and franchising. Are you still interested? And he, he stops and he goes, I was wondering when you would call. <laughs> <laughs> the, the really part of that was funny. It was I came to his shop. It was a small shop. He had five techs at the time and they're, you know, dressed awful, everything you would think about a drain and sewer company, all the stereotype. Yeah. 
And he's like really buttoned up and, you know, really good. And we're really like day one, he goes, you know, I'd like to license and franchise. And I'm looking around the shop, looking at these guys, looking at the trucks. And I go, I'll tell you what, how about we see if we can get them dressed right today. And then we can come back to licensing and franchising. <laughs> the answer to the story by the time, you know, he had grown to 20 track, did every, he did the whole seven powers. Wow. That's really cool. How long of a process was it for him? I mean, or, or, I, or better question, like for somebody that's listening to this, it, how realistically, how long should they expect it to take to do for, to implement the process and then for it to actually take effect? Like what's the, what are you seeing? Like, I don't know if you've actually done an official case study or anything. Yeah, like that. I have. I've done, well, obviously when I was doing one-to-one consulting, so let me start yeah. with that first. So when I was doing one-to-one consulting and, and then of course bringing Ellen in for, you know, the sales coaching, cause we pushed our reward programs together. That's what sales coaching. Oh, okay. And um, she would do the financial because you cannot give out rewards until you do your financial homework. Because <laughs> otherwise, as we always hated, are you taking money out of your pocket to provide bonuses or is it money they create? And the answer that's should horrible. always be money, sure. money they create. Yeah. So that's what it's always designed to be. And so to run the whole gamut, it usually takes two to three years. Michael Gugliero, from when he was, uh, you know, gold medal he and his team were phenomenal. They didn't just race through. They did a lot of great things and he had some great things already. But the thing about it is you get better with each of those steps I rattled through. It's not like you have to wait all the way to the end to get good. Are you with me? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're getting better everywhere along with those steps. Today, the one program that I offer is operating power. And the reason I offer operating power, because it's the most now they're all important, but it's the most important because you can't even do staffing until you have those manuals in place. The way I was sharing before, it is the biggest keystone block, if you will, in putting this all together. And so that's really the first thing. And people go, well, how long will it take? And go, well, it's a matter of your time, energy, and money. And the time, money we've already got, the time is, are you going to put two hour time blocks together? With you and the key managers, this is all you do. You watch my videos, you go through the workbook, you edit the manuals the way I tell you to, you get them rolled out the way I tell you to, you keep them in the culture with the meetings the way I tell you to do as a virtual coach. And if you buy the all access version, then you get me in the form of this, which is six 30 minute video calls. The problem is again, they too chase perfect. Yeah. And so they stall. But people who are willing to do what I say and get on my hip turns, Within 60 days, they should have that edited tech manual in rollout. That's as long as it should take. And if it's taking yeah. longer than that, I ask why. Yeah. It, 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 how much are you going to implement? Like how, how quickly is, are you going to implement it? Uh, and like you said, we are our own worst enemy oftentimes <laughs> whenever we try and it's time to implement something new, but I'm going to make it perfect and make sure it doesn't break before we implement it. Uh, and then you never implement it because you never finish it. Um, so done's better than perfect for sure. Um, yeah, actually, again, I'll take a line that Mike told me one day when we were working together and, uh, he had awful CSRs when I first arrived. I mean, really, and that was his assessment, but I agreed wholeheartedly and they had a lot of them and, um, they got so good with the training that I provided the manuals and the rest of it. They actually were on the website at one point. And so, uh, he looks at me and he goes, I get it. And then I said, what do you get, Mike? He goes, less done all the time beats perfect once in a while. <laughs> and that was really big. Yeah. That was really big because he, it was something about, you know, we, we want this perfect thing. If we belong to a Facebook group or we belong to a trade association or whatever we belong to is we, we look at these guys and go, it's got to be perfect because otherwise I, I would already be that mm -hmm. big monster. And the answer <laughs> is no. And, yeah. um, you know, it's it's not even I'd love to say it's about intelligence. It's 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 really about committing the time, energy and money to what you need to do to make these things happen. Now, in the case of the manuals, I cost my family one hundred and fifty thousand dollars back in nine. And that was nineteen ninety six. Today's money. And uh, it was really about that thick, but it was well written. And that's what it needed to do. Now, of course, there's thirty one manuals in the program because of everything I've done. And I didn't know what I didn't know when I finished. I thought it was words on a page because you used to print them. 
but it was way more about you know the tone what do you put in what do you, does it sound like your big brother and big sister coaching you or are you yelling at me because everything's in caps and red <laughs> all caps yep. all caps and all red and so you know you can't hand it out or and think that it's all done you need to know the rollout process how to get buy-in is the big thing otherwise it's like taking a rubber ball and throwing it against the wall and watch how fast it'll bounce back at you how often should you revisit them that's a great question when they've been rolled out everyone at your company based on the right box org chart which is where it all starts and that too is part of the program if you have a manual and you do every week you're in your own meeting whether it's 15 minutes 30 minutes or an hour hour typically for the techs and the installers and the big ticket people and you are reading one to two pages out loud not you them because okay. the words that leave their lips are the only ones they really listen to mm. and so they're that's really the key thing. I have a quick story. I don't want to watch the time, but I have yeah, a yeah. Quick, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I worked with a great company, uh, Jim, up in uh, in Vail, Colorado, did plumbing, heating, cooling, electric, and big residential commercial. And when I first arrived, I got to talk to their techs because I always have these private interviews, which I will not tell the owner what anybody said. Mm -hmm. And they will air the dirty laundry everywhere I've ever oh, gone. Yeah. <laughs> and so I pretty find out if it's cultures like this or like this. And we put the manuals in, we put the training in, and guys are getting careers, and it's like kumbaya compared to that, right? Just great. And then he, he would always call me up to share what you know success and things that he's had, and it really was great. And one day he called me up not that long ago in the middle of this pandemic, and he goes, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden we're back to this again. And I said, has anything changed? And he goes, no. He said, well, you know, of course we don't have our meetings anymore. I go, time out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, you get back to the meetings and get back to reading one to two page every week. Now you can do it in Zoom, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I said, but there is never an excuse. Everyone who has a manual, he called me up, I'm telling you three weeks later, he goes, it's like it never happened. I know I stole Surpro's line there, <laughs> but uh, like it never happened. It, 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 it is that powerful. A lot of these meetings, we, I don't know about you guys, but we didn't have meetings because we were too busy. Yeah. That's the fallacy. Everybody has this stupid idea. And the akin to that is I come across you're in the woods chopping down trees with a dull axe. And I go, you know, if you come back with me and yeah. we sharpen up this ox, we can actually we can call these trees much faster. And you go, I would, oh, I got but I'm busy chopping down this tree. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that's the hard part for us as contractors to. Yeah, I find that, that either you're too busy to do meetings, guilty been there um or the the meetings turn into a complain fest and yeah. like the dispatcher is not doing her job or they don't or, stay or on job. point or yeah it just yeah, goes they don't stay off. on point they don't have it, it goes off for like an hour instead of like a good solid and then you get done like and you're like what minutes. did we what did we finish what did we accomplish with this meeting nothing yeah. we just i know i know there. i know why people hate meeting do I have a second or two to talk about yeah. meetings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, when I said meetings, by the way, I didn't mean crappy meetings. Yeah. I know why you hate meetings. Uh -huh. You hate meetings because you're thinking about your house of worship meeting. You're thinking about your town hall meeting where we just talk to talk. We eat donuts and drink coffee. And next week, we'll be back talking about the same thing. That same is thing. not what I'm talking about. Yes. Now, my brother and I didn't have meetings until one of you, you, Josh, screwed up. Now we're going to drag the whole team in and everybody knows it was Josh. And we're sitting there going like, it was Josh. we're here because of Josh. And now we haven't had a meeting in six months. So we're going to make a, a an agenda that's this long. I can't even fit it on the screen. And we're just going to tell you how much you disappointed us. So waiting that long for feedback is a problem. But if you don't have documented systems, what are you talking about? And that's really where the manuals play a key central role here. They're not everything you do in meetings. If you're judging me as a tech on my sales performance and you don't check my homework, that's what that meeting's about. So we call it Get It Sold, Ellen and I, for our meetings. And that meeting is we talk about what went right in terms of sales. We reward those. And then private coaching, the same old thing. You criticize in private, you praise in public. That's what those meetings are set yeah. for. But we do our role plays, we do our things, but we also keep the manual alive. And after it's been rolled out, so with the first time through, we just want to know what's wrong or what, what you hate. And really, the manual should stay 90 to 95% the way that I've got them put together. That's after a long years of doing this. Mm -hmm. But the point of it is they do get to put their fingerprints on it. That's part of the buy-in process. They just yeah. don't get the hijack it. Mm -hmm. And so the putting their fingerprints is 
this is their time. This is one of the reasons they love going to the right meeting. So I wrote a thing called the 10 golden rules for meeting because everything you described, you told me this meeting is important, but the light's blinking over here and the heat is 180 degrees in this room and I'm on fire. Mm -hmm. My chair is broken. You know what I'm saying? These are the things that are stupid. You also have a case where people are just, you know, throwing every comment out. And so you, as a, as one of these guidelines is, so Josh, I'm talking about parking and Josh asked me a question. I got a question. Which question, Josh, where do I get my uniforms? And you answer that question while the free-for-all is going. Yep. And I go, Josh, that's a great question. I would invite you to look for your manuals. But if you want, when this meeting's over, I'll be happy to talk to you. Because today, we're talking about parking. So these are the 10 meeting guidelines. And also, guidelines for trainers, which is something I put together in the Staffing Power Program, was to make you better not only at training, but making your meetings, making you a much better person at running meetings. But they happen every week. And the way I told people, unless we tell you don't come, you're here. We have meetings. Now I ran meetings with techs where I, because <clears throat> we, we were a shift company, not like on call, seven to 4 a.m., eight to five, 10 to seven, two to 11, in the dead of winter, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. Those were staffed yeah. shifts. You with me? Oh, wow. And so it was a big company. And what Richie and I realized when we built we finally moved to a really good office, which is why I got good at office design, really good at office design. Okay. I've now done like 40 of them. But we built the training room where you sit, the classroom area, relatively, so only accommodate 15 techs. And I work with great clients where they wanted to build this monstrous hall. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Once in a while, you bring everybody together. And if it's going to bring everybody together, I invite you to go hook up with the hotel and go find a room. Don't do it here because most of us can't command a room like that. And when I sit in the room with everybody, I'm going like this, what's this got to do with me? Cause I'm yep. doing everything great. Mm -hmm. And so I, I purposely made it a meeting on Tuesday with some of my texts and I had all the rest to cover in the morning. Then I had Wednesday afternoon so I could catch all the late people. And then Thursday morning and I would do the same meeting multiple times cause I knew it was way more effective. And they got a chance to talk. If they don't talk, it's really worthless but there's a way to talk and there's a time to talk. It's not a lecture. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I, I, I despise meetings. <laughs> I, I am that person and it's because I've been in so many bad meetings and, yeah. uh, Oh, what's his name? Oh, Cameron Harold, uh, the author Cameron Harold and it, uh, why meetings suck. And he, I've not read it. That sounds great. It is a great book. Cameron's just a great person in general. Uh, he's a Canadian that transplants to, to us, uh, half the year or used to, uh, and he's written tons of, of wonderful books, uh, uh, free PR. Um, so, um, getting, uh, uh, press for your company for free um all, all this great stuff but he he wrote a book about uh, why meetings suck and, and i wholeheartedly uh i took a lot of stuff from him because as a technician just like you said and we, we would come together every, like we would have them every wednesday you got to be here at 8 a.m or 7 a.m and we're going to come together and then it turns into this chew out fest of one person <laughs> who failed and then everybody else is like I didn't do that. So they're just sitting there ignoring you and there's no input. It's just one person at the front of the room talking and blah. And I was that person at one point talking and, and doing this stuff. And uh, I began hating the meetings myself and I despised having to do it. But I, at that time I was, I was just a manager. And so I wasn't, I mean, I, I was told I had to have the meetings. So we did yeah. it. Uh, and I, at that point I didn't know Cameron and, and I wasn't educated on how to fix that problem, uh, which I, I learned later. But yeah, it's totally exactly like you said, and and I love how you you break them down. And and uh, while our company is small, we're growing. Um, we're this is a very new company. It's uh, I can already feel it. Like I've had to. Okay, let's office staff are going to go. We're going to meet together in our our huddle, our our uh, weekly huddle, and then the uh, the field staff we're going to do our weekly huddle. And uh, I can I can totally feel it. And then even during this the summer, if they're not finding value in the meeting. 100% they're pissed that they're at the meeting because they're like, I could be doing this. I could be in the attic right now and then not in an attic at three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's, it's one of those things where um, 
it's I love everything that you said. It's such it's such a valid point. <laughs> you know, I was lucky uh, in my union, New York City union shop. I had a couple of guys who would tell me to the face what others would not. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I kind of value that. So one one guy, we, we had a meeting, and um, this is after the manuals were in, and I'm finished the meeting up, and he comes up to me at the end. He goes, you know, if we didn't have to be in this meeting, I could already be running calls for us. Mm-hmm. And I go, I hear you. Here's what I also know. Every time we meet. Magically, sales get better, less callbacks, and everybody's happier starting with the most important people, customers first. Mm -hmm. So you tell me what's more important than this meeting. And never had a discussion again. But they need to know why why are we in this meeting? And again, these guidelines, 10 guidelines that really can change your business. And I have it on my site, so it's not like I'm trying to hide it. And I wrote for articles. I've written a lot of articles over the year. And so 10 meeting guidelines is really very critical, but what are you going to talk about? So Richie and I didn't have these meetings. We had a very short, tight agenda. And it came back to when I became a better trainer, as I was saying before, you need to know the three things that you're going to talk about and mention them at the front Talk about those three things only, and at the end, go around the room and see if they got the three things. That's Tell me how that's different than a sales call or yeah. anything else that I'm talking about, where you're marketing. Or, you know, it's the same. These principles, we disconnect it from our meetings. Yep. I, I love that. Uh, that's, that's perfect. Josh, what did you uh, got? Well, that was one of the uh, better things that we did at the last place. Because I, I, I've always had, sorry, a little like gnat or something in my face. <laughs> Good thing nobody can see it when they, the episode launches. Um, but I, I've always known that we needed to have meetings. And when I was really green and, and kind of thrust into running the first company that I was with, I, was, I literally like had a, a one full page list of things we needed to talk about. And then oh, yeah. as time goes on, like, and you just start talking about the stuff and you don't really even care what's on anyone else's mind. Like you don't even care. You're you just going through, through your through list. list. I got my checklist. Done. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my checklist is good. All right. What do you guys got? <laughs> and uh, learn later on, like really hyper targeting those meetings for the people that need to be there. Um, and we got a lot better. The last place we were at was, we did a really good job of that. And the, the team, the culture, everybody was closer and tighter knit because of it, because people would actually bring up problems in the meeting or we'd find solutions to certain things that we didn't even know, you know, you don't know in the office what exists. So no, uh, unless you've been out with other people. Yeah. And getting the chance to, to talk to people, but you know, it's kind of like with um, one of the reasons they love to come to the meeting as we kept on going through is when the manual fully rolled out is we're going to go through a procedure. You have a better, cheaper, faster way, because if we all agree, we'll go back and change these manuals. They're meant to be living documents. And with rare exceptions, but periodically we would come up. It was a chance to problem solve together, which was really very important. And so the other thing where I start everybody is the CSR dispatcher to tech. So there's a tech manual that tells you what to do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, other than the work you do. And people think, well, I need the trade manual. You do, but you don't need it as much as those three key manuals. And they need to be integrated, which is the beauty of it. They're not plucked from everywhere. And it's really key because most companies, and I've worked with some great companies, they will always get better or they're already broken because that triangle of communication is broken. Mm-hmm. Where can people I find, find that the, you and, and get more of that, that stuff right there? I, I, it's, it's, I know that people are asking this because whenever we were talking, it didn't take me 30 minutes to ask you, like, where do we find that information from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's seven power number seven powercontractor.com and then forward slash S O M S Sam Oscar Mary Sally. But you can just go to seven power dot seven powercontractor.com, the number seven, and then just go to products and service. You're welcome to go. There's a lot of great information. Yeah, I know it's mine, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I do attribute that my stuff is a whole lot smarter than me. And that's because I frankly, I, I worked with some of the best contractors mm-hmm. out there. And every time I did, I just got smarter. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much fun to be at this stage of my life and tell you that. But it's true. If you're out there and you keep on doing it, you know, they always tell how do you get better as a teacher? Teach. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really, it's really that much. And, you know, it's, it's, these are the key things. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, Ron, Ron and one of our Facebook messages. Ron's a big fan. 
he yeah. uh, he thinks the manuals are amazing for sure. Yeah, it really does change the dynamic. You know, it's um, people a lot of times go. You know, I left my business famously at forty eight, and I was one of the lucky guys that really didn't have to work again. I, I was telling. I was telling Josh and Tarsh that, you know, one of the things in my second career, I, by the way, I gave three years notice for you guys out there. I gave my brothers and my dad three years notice I was leaving. And if you're like me, you know, you were lucky two weeks, maybe from your employee. Oh, yeah. one week. Yeah. And a lot of times we used to have the key on the dashboard and go, is he gone? <laughs> yeah. so, you know, <laughs> so I, I spent three years making sure all of these systems work. And it's, it's just a case of I needed to know that they were in good shape. But frankly, I was not coming back. Yeah. And so I was going out and the reason that I'm so passionate about it to this stage of my life is because if these great mentors did not come into my life, now I paid up for it and happily so I would be in a basement at this stage of my life, turning a wrench into the late hours of the night. And that is not a pretty sight, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you got anything you want to close out with? We're running up on the end of our time. Yeah, we, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's all these topics could go a lot deeper, but oh, yeah. uh, Al is, Al is usually very active on Facebook groups and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, as well as his like best practice groups. So find him, find him on Facebook, uh, go to his site. His site's very well laid out. He's got, it's very clean of what needs to be done and stuff like very that. So you can though. find the information Navigate. you're looking for. Which uh, kudos to you. So, because that's what I look at all day is websites. I, I, <laughs> so, I, it's got to be clean. I, I, take, I take that as a big compliment, number one. And number two, as you know, it's not me. I have really good people, but I'm great at marketing. So, I learned a long time ago your website is marketing first and then make sure it works. And so, Absolutely. I, yep. I take that. I do want to a quick thing is when you go to my website, there's a chat feature. If you want to hit the chat and you have a question or you want to set up even a free 30 minute, I do offer that as, frankly, as a give back to my mentors. So I'm happy to offer that. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Josh, Josh you got anything else? Go to, go to his website. It's uh, it's. I'll just remind everyone. Seven. The number seven. It's on the bottom of the screen if you're watching live. Sevenpowercontractor.com. So yeah. Al's a wealth of knowledge. He's been he's been there, done it, and he's coached it. So he's uh, he's definitely knows his stuff. So you guys would uh, be very wise to reach out if you have questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And and thank you for listening to and watching this show, uh, this episode of, of the Service Business Mastery. And it, it is, I mean, it's truly our honor to, to be able to uh, meet and greet uh, you, Al, and um, to, to be able to talk to, to people like yourself every week and, and without people who, like Ron, who are, are uh, actively watching the show and, and interacting with us, uh, we wouldn't be able to put on the show. So, with that being said, I hope you have a wonderful and safe week until we talk again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.